Hey guys, I'm Garrett. And I'm Jason, and welcome to the Small Town Pilgrims Podcast. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So, get ready for the truth. Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast, a podcast where everyday ministers get together uh, to... Hey, um, James... Let me stop you right there. Actually, guys, welcome to Small Town Pilgrims, episode 14. My name is Jason. And I am James. And he is not Garrett. Uh, I'm definitely not Garrett. He's got a much better beard than I do. Yeah, he can grow. His facial hair is majestic. It is majestic. Yes. Um, but yes. Welcome our special guest host, um, good friend of mine, uh, Brother James White. Uh, he did mention his podcast name, but Everyday Ministry Podcast, right? Um, like, subscribe, uh, rate, review, all those good things, right? Or you don't have to at all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, uh, Brother James is a uh, going to be a... Uh, special guest host with me today. Uh, he is, um, as I said, uh, a friend. Uh, we've known each other for uh, look, going on about five years, right? Um, yeah, something as, like that. Um, just we both uh, were pastors in, or pastors in, in, this, in Lamar County. He, he's moved on to a, a different ministry uh, uh, assignment. Um, I'm still pastoring the same church, but we kept in contact and uh, remain friends. Uh, but, uh, brother James, give them a little, little background about who you are. Yeah, man. Um, so my name is James White. I am not the James White as referred to in the performed community, but I am James D White. And, um, <laughs> I do live in the same area as, as you, I used to pastor a church, uh, church plant here in Vernon, but about a year ago, um, not to the date, but today marks one year since I preached my last sermon at White House, actually. But now I am the youth pastor at Spring Hill Baptist Church in Millport, Alabama. And um, I do have a podcast that's part of um, what I have done previously. But as I said, it doesn't matter if you rate, su subscribe, and all of those things, because um, over the last year, my wife and I have started the process of adopting three kids after having one biological child. So within a, let's see, eight month period, we went from zero kids to four kids. And because of that, uh, my podcasting has been a little less consistent as it once was, um, hopefully going to change that soon. Um, so it's been a little while since I've been on the mic, a little rusty. Uh, hopefully I uh, do your podcast justice um, though I am not used to this whole video thing. So, yeah. um, you get to see my ugly face as well as <laughs> right here, this, um, attic access that I do not have a cover over right now. Right and so, um, if something pops out, then I'm going to, I will let you know quickly. I will yeah, let you hopefully, know. Hopefully if it pops out, we just won't <laughs> put this online. Right. <laughs> Or it'll be one of those uh, like found found film uh, movies one day, you know. That's um, right. That's right. But uh, yeah, um, and uh, Brother James and I uh, actually have have ministered in the same 
actually I wouldn't say pulpit because we were in the floor area Mm -hmm. because uh, our stage is not really conducive to two people at our church. No, but um, uh, me and him were actually just reminiscing before we got started here about how he was, uh, we, we met on a couple of lunch occasions to prepare this sermon and in 30 minutes, I told him, well, I'm just going to go with this. I'm going to go with the practical side of it. Da, da, da. And he was uh, trying to exposit a uh, text uh, with me. And uh, I was uh, concerned because he was so into the word. Yeah. My things oh, have changed. And um, <laughs> the words of the wise Michael Scott, how the turntables have turned. That's um, true. No, but yeah, that, that was an interesting encounter. Uh, we did gather. We still gathered between all two churches as well as another you and I tag team to sermon, which is a interesting experience in and of itself. It really is. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not telling the audience anything I haven't told you, but honestly, it's like when we had that, that moment, I, I felt like I was the serious guy over here preaching and teaching. Mm-hmm. And then you were like this buffer. So that it's like, it didn't get too serious. Um, yeah. But thankfully, um, that is something that God has not necessarily saved you out of, but has brought you out of. Yeah. Um, I look at it. Yeah. I look at it as a deliverance, you know, uh, from error, you know. Yes. Well, and, you know, I I, I will confidently say this is, and I think you're an example of this, is there's well-meaning brothers of the faith that are preaching something that's contrary. most likely many of them at least due to a lack of understanding elsewhere and yeah. really uh, being taught to how to exposit yeah. God's word personally yeah. as well as being able to present it. Now there is some people out there that I think we would say is openly teaching false yeah. doctrine, false doctrine purposely, yeah. purposely for um, for monetary gain or, or fame or whatever the, yeah. the motivation is. I agree with you on that. And so, and that's why, you know, I look back on my experience in ministry and not only yourself, but another friend of mine that uh, he and I are close and he's a pastor now and uh, he's a reformed guy as well. Mm -hmm. And the first time I allowed him to preach at Lighthouse, he was going to a church that was um, very notable, um, not only in Alabama, but all over the United States. It's actually one of the largest churches. And um, he wasn't quite prosperity, but he was kind of leaning that way because of the influence. But he had only been saved like a year. He gets into this church setting that was great for him in a lot of ways. And um, but I was openly allowed him to preach in my pulpit. Um, One, because I review sermons before I allow people to preach them. Uh, And two, because I understood that if God was going to pull him away from that, it would take somebody stepping into the trenches of his life to yeah. aid him in that. Yeah. Um, and so I say all that to say is, man, though I'm thankful where you are now, uh, I believe that I did it in hopes that maybe there would be some reconciliation between the two theological understandings. And I think we've seen a bit of that, not contributing myself to anything that you went through, but uh, just saying that I'm thankful that God has pulled you away from that into um, something a little more theologically sound. Um, And then as both of us would agree that we're um, always reforming. And so 
what you believe now may be different than what you believe in five years. And I pray that it is same yeah. thing for my own life is that I would continue to grow yeah. in my knowledge and understanding of God and his word. Yeah. I mean, he, that's where he reveals himself. So the more we, the more we're in it, the more we're going to understand who he is. And, you know, I mean, for me, for me, it really came down to um, advice I was given. I think, I think I talked to you about it when we, when you first uh, under, began to understand that I had jumped into the uh, reformed waters, I believe is what you called them because the water was fine. Um, it was. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it came down to, I was given the advice of uh, keep it positive you know, keep it simple. So the, the center off the street will uh, understand it. And then this was said, I actually looked back at the notes I took from this. Um, don't answer any questions that nobody's asking. And that did not sit right from right with me. I, I, I did it for two to three weeks and wanted to vomit after every sermon. I said, this is not right. And I knew it wasn't right. And then I did this funny thing. I began looking to the word on my own, not based on what other people were telling me. And then I began adding these, these other ministers who I knew were preaching a reverence for God. Um, because I think to me, that was the key for my reformation in myself was what was my view of God? Did I view him highly enough? And I knew I didn't because I tried to make myself equal with him at times and bring him down to my level at times. So he needed to be higher up, but yeah, but which I think that actually, um, and I'm not trying to take your segues away, but that really gets us into the topic of this podcast, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, this past Sunday, you preached through Romans six twenty and 21. And yeah. uh, I'm thankful that you guys started putting that on your actual podcast feed for people like myself yeah. that don't attend reality. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's exactly what we see unfolding in the text that Paul presents. Um, yeah. Because though you're talking about your transformation theologically, uh, not necessarily your salvation, but definitely a part of your sanctification. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's uh, not necessarily the specific thing Paul is talking about, but it is an underlying theme of these verses yeah. is that God is continuing to sanctify us. Right. Uh, yeah. And I agree with that. And, you know, I think to me, um, you know, I started out just kind of in the sermon, you know, you listened to it, you said a few times, you know, my thing was, I just wanted to kind of stop for a moment and look back a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. back to my time before Christ. And, you know, the feeling that we, sh- we get, and honestly, I don't think it's negative that we feel shame for what happened before Christ. I think, I think there's many preachers who would think that to feel shame about what happened before Christ is, 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 is a bad thing. I don't, I don't think that's a bad yeah. thing. I think it's a positive thing because I think the more we see the shamefulness of it, the more we see the sinfulness of our sin, the more we can see the greatness of the savior who has saved us and who has redeemed well, us from that. Well, and the reality is for most believers, there's going to be a continual bleed from the old man into the new man. Yeah. And so they're going to constantly deal with that same fleshly desires. Yeah. And so to ignore that guilt could Mm -hmm. actually lend um, the heart towards accepting it, even in their transformation. Yeah. So instead of running away from that sin, as you, 
um, I was actually, as you were preaching, I'm like, please, please quote Calvin. The heart is an idol factory. Yeah. Be killing sin. I was like the whole time I'm like thinking, be killing sin. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because Owen, yeah. when we 100%. ignore the guilt of our previous sin, then we open up the doors for it to kind of reenter our life in different yeah. ways. Yeah. You're right. And that's the old nature. Um, in, in previous teaching and I'll tell you, I mean, I don't know if I ever talked to you about it, but in previous teaching, we were taught the old nature dies too, that we instantly upon salvation have the nature of Christ and the old nature is gone. That's not true. That is not, that is not biblically sound according to Paul and, and according to Christ, really. I mean, you can't say that the old nature is dead. The old man's dead. The old man of sin is dead. The dead man dies, right? Yes. But the old nature is the continual fight that Owen talks about. You know, the yeah. be killing sin or it'll be killing you. You know, what Calvin talks about with that idol factor, that's what the old nature wants to do, wants to make new idols constantly. So I think, you know, I think you're right. I think it does lend itself. I mean, the text definitely lends itself to sanctification. Where are we going? And let's look at where we've come from to understand the greatness of what's been done for us and, and, and see the goal ahead. Um, before we get in. And you touched on this towards the end of your sermon and maybe I'm jumping ahead, but the issue then too, is if, if we act as if there's no previous guilt of our sin, then we ignore or even neglect what we once were, which causes us to be insensitive towards those that are currently living in their sin. Yeah. And um, we should, and we should, and we should be, our hearts should break. Yes. For the lost. Well, that's like right now, the biggest thing is like homosexuality and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, but let's just be honest in a lost and dying and depraved world. Are we to be surprised that these are the things that are taking over in our society? No, by no means. No. Um, but we have a message that is contrary to that. Yeah. And so us understanding our depravity should lead us to realize that we're the worst sinner there is. Yeah. So anybody out there in the world around us that is living sinful lives, they're just in comparison to the sin that we personally have. Yeah. So if God saved us, chief of sinners, then he will gladly save those. And save them, and save them, what, save them to the uttermost, right? Yes. I mean, completely, yeah. uh, completely save them. Um, let me read the text for, uh, for our listeners who, who may not be familiar with this text. Um, I think this is a glossed over text. Do you agree? It seems like when, when it's put into the huge body of, 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 of what we've been talking about here, you know, the slavery to sin, it seems like this may be one of the ones that's kind of sped through to get to the rest of it. Yeah. Which your, your breakdown is very interesting. I mean, you've talked about that, the small chunks that you're preaching through. And I think you're right though. I do think it's overlooked because it's almost as Paul's supporting point of a major theme he's making, which yeah. in Romans, I mean, there's only like 10 major theme points that he's trying to make. And, <laughs> and he's um, making every theological point there is. Yes. In Rome, I and mean, in it's chapter six. He's pointing back to chapter three. And, right. Yeah. I mean, I, he's, and I love, I love Paul to me. I've, I've said it before on the podcast. You may have heard me say it. I feel like he's the special education teacher of the Bible because yeah. it's constant review, 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 restate, you know, those things that I do as a special education teacher, he does 
for the believer, really. He restates it. Let me restate it this way. Do you understand it this way? You know, and, and, yeah. and, and it's because he knows the weakness of our flesh, right? Yeah. Well, and that's what well, you really got to read this text, but that's what I enjoy about Paul is like, you can look at almost every one of his letters outside of maybe his um, pastoral epistles. It's this gospel and in light of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that because like you're saying, he's calling into remembrance after he's uh, preached the gospel to him for like six chapters of four, well, Romans is four, four chapters, five chapters. Yeah. Four, uh, right. After he's in, unla- unloaded the gospel in this most concise way, but elaborate way ever. He then throughout the rest of the book says, now in light of the gospel, live this out yeah. while sneaking in bits of this, like you, yeah. like this text here, bits yeah. of the gospel in explaining that this is why you're to live this way. Right. Yeah. Well, let me, let me read it. Um, now hear the infallible inspired word of God. Romans six twenty and 21 says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. And we pray that God will sanctify us all by his truth. His word is truth. Um, so my thought was this, you know, of course, I mean, I don't, we need to take it with the gravity. I think that Paul is speaking it. This is a dangerous life. Paul's talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. This is a dangerous position to be in, um, to, to be free in regard to righteousness. You know, I mean, it mean it means you have before Christ, you have zero tie to any righteousness. No, there's no righteousness at all. You know, it, 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 it's all, it's all useless. It's, 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 there's no righteousness at all. And so what I started looking at is then, okay. So Paul is saying that without Christ, we, 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 we are free from righteousness, right? Well, let's look at this. Um, the world defines righteousness and gives all these different kinds of cool people who, are righteous according to worldly standards. Yeah. And if we even look, let's be honest, they're righteous according to our internal standards for ourselves when we're those people. Right. I mean, that, that, you know, of course the one and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you've been in, you've been in ministry for a while this is the, number one, maybe the most difficult, dangerous place to be in. That's the believer in Christian morals with no interest in the doctrines of Christ. Yeah. I mean, and that's unfortunately what we see quite often in the area in which we are. Now you may have listeners that are, you know, all over the U S or maybe even other countries. Um, but we're in, you know, deep South Alabama. Podunk, um, Alabama. Too. You could probably, well, you're in Mississippi technically. Well, uh, hey, and, and I, and I feel good about that. No, see, I know you don't. Ala- Listen, <laughs> Mississippi and Alabama isn't a foot race to be the worst state in the United <laughs> States. Um, Who's gonna but win? anyway, so we're in this deep South, which comes with this almost moral, moral supremacy yeah. that because there is some Christian background in their families or, uh, even in the culture or the cities that we're in, um, that we're better than other people. It's, yeah. you know, we would refer to it as the good old boy syndrome um, yeah. or, yeah. or even like, 
the grandma syndrome. I don't know if that's a thing. Right. But, yeah. Uh, what these two things are is like the good old boy syndrome is that guy's a good guy. You actually mentioned this in your sermon yeah. is that guy's a good guy because he's not cheating on his wife. He's not yeah. lying. He's not getting drunk every weekend. He's working hard, providing for his family. Yeah. Um, you know, he may lose his temper every now and then he, he may uh, do some of these things that are, you know, not the best in the world, but not, you know, killing anybody or just running out on his lady or anything like that. Because of that, he's a good person. Yeah. Or that grandma one would be, you know, she makes cookies for all the kids in the town. And, right. you know, she, she's never said anything bad about anybody. She doesn't yeah. even gossip. She doesn't like gossip. Yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't, but if Christ is at the center of her life, just like his life, it doesn't matter if it's mother Teresa or yeah. if it's, um, or if it's a terrorist, you know, yeah. it, the two are the same in light of the connection and just position to God yeah without christ right and that's because of adam's sin right yeah we're born in adam's sin and we are guilty yeah and the reason why that's significant is because if we would have been adam we would have sinned as well if not quicker than he had yeah maybe quicker i think yeah because you know i mean and two i think the dangerous thing about that one who who lives by the christian moral is they may even say this phrase that I think is a dangerous phrase to say, God wouldn't send me to hell. He yeah. wouldn't send me well, to hell. Well, who, well, who are why, you? Well, that's why I appreciated your quote from R.C. Sproul, yeah. which um, was really talking about something different, but it connects in a different way, is why do bad things happen to good people? And Sproul, as he explains, is they only happen once and he volunteered meaning that the only good person that anything ever bad happened to was Christ. Christ. Because nobody yeah. else is good. Nobody um, else is good. We're all sinful, depraved, fallen creatures. Um, yeah. Um, and I, when you said R.C. Sproul, I already knew which quote you were going to say, which oh, was yeah. quite interesting. It's, well, because, because my, what was my heading number two? A good person. And, you know, good people do good deeds, but there's one problem with a good person they clearly a good person doesn't need Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. We must understand we are not good into order to understand that we must have Christ. We need Christ. And, and, you know, like, like, like Sproul said, you know, he's right. Mm -hmm. Christ was the only good one. You know, when he met, when he met, when Christ met up with the rich, young, rich young ruler, right. He said, yeah. um, why do you call me good? Yeah. He's acknowledging, okay, you, you see, I'm, you see that I am God, right? You see yeah. that, that that's there, you know? And then. Well, you know, you're talking about the, before your transformation into a deeper understanding of God and his word, the advice you received about, you know, keeping it basic and simple and, you know, don't, don't really, I mean, he didn't say this, but pretty much don't preach on sin. It's kind yeah. of the outcome of that. That's it. Uh, yeah. And the issue, the issue with that is as fallen creatures, we have rebelled, committed treason against a perfect and holy God yeah. that will judge us for our sins. Yes. And so when we ignore this fact and not present the gospel to people, though it may seem better in the moment, though we may get them in our church and they may fill a pew or a chair, whichever style you have or 
like yourself the tables right now to make yeah. sure people are distancing yeah. um but there's no inner life change in them right and i think that's where a good person mentality has entered the church tremendously um, is because we have watered down the gospel itself and so we have this understanding that because i go to church i'm a mm -hmm. good person yeah though there's never been any true repentance of sin right and uh that's that's something i've heard a lot of church leaders on our side really talk about um even more recently i think so, you know with the advance of the of you know the social gospel being kind of prevalent in in churches a lot now is is that we're filling churches with unrepentant sinners and trying to make them members before they're ever even a member of the family of Christ. And we can't, we can't have churches like that. And it, it, it succeed in the way that it needs to succeed where we are, you know, giving the gospel and seeing lives changed and seeing people born again and, and, and repenting of, of a life of destruction, which they have been living in for years. We need to, to focus, you know, our hearts on a law and gospel presentation in which people want to repent. Mm -hmm. And, and there's remember, nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. I remember um, talking about bad advice. I was fresh in ministry and I was a youth pastor and we were starting a worship band for the youth group. Mm -hmm. um, one, something I would be contrary, uh, just totally against now in general, though it is what I'm having to do due to COVID. Um, but I got the advice from the pastor. He's like, man, let, let a student come and play drums or play the guitar or any of those things. And if, if they're not saved, then it's okay that, you know, that they're in the church and it's an opportunity for them to come know Jesus. And I've given even that then, up. even though I was, I was ignorant more then than I am now, even then I'm like, well, you say that worship of a holy God should be partially led by someone that knows nothing of this God. That doesn't. And that is your advice to me. And I'm thinking, no. No. Um, and yeah. it's just, but that's the same mentality is let's let them in. Let's let them serve. Let's let them feed the hungry, do these things, and hope that their involvement in society and their attendance to church will lead to their changed hearts. Now, God can, yes, sovereignly work through those things to redeem yeah. lost souls. Yeah. Um, we don't want to ignore his power in these things. Right. Yeah. But as a regular practice as the church, terrible yeah i mean everything in scripture teaches us that um repentance is a necessary ingredient to true life of ministry right yeah paul had to be knocked off his high horse in order for him to make the type of difference that he made um peter there was a time of repentance for even him after the denial of christ i mean there has to be a time of repentance in order for ministry to truly launch and though ministers are not perfect and they never will be uh ministry is done better by those who are in christ than by people yeah. with talent and and and, exactly. I, and i've got the i got the i've gotten the same advice i've given the same advice just trying to grow your church brother you just got to grow that church right well listen yeah. If you're growing it in that way, you're not growing the kingdom of God. You're just getting another rear end to warm a seat, yeah. and, that, and, that, and it's never worth it. And then, of course, 
you know, we go from the good person to the man who's full of their own righteousness. That's the ones who take the selfies, right? They take a selfie of themselves, giving the bag of groceries to the, to the needy person, or they, they volunteer for charity so that they can have selfie opportunities. And they, uh, I, I said, I said this, and I think I've been here so many times in my life that this, this, the one, the one that really struck me the hardest, I think look at myself in the mirror, just fall in love with who I am, man, you're doing it. You're doing it, brother. You're doing it. Well, listen, righteousness done in my own, my own self outside of Christ it has never been anything but an abomination to God, according to Luke 16, 15. If I'm doing it just to justify myself before men, God knows my heart. And yeah. if I'm doing it to be exalted before men, I, it, it says in Luke 16, 15, that it is an abomination in the sight of God. Yeah. And then you even got the fine man, right? The one who he's, not necessarily doing it for anything of himself. He's just trying to be a good guy. Like kind of, kind of like the good old boy you talked about, just providing for his family, being the best he can. Mm -hmm. And he's wanting to improve himself, but all of our righteous deeds are filthy rags mm -hmm. outside of Christ. And, and you know, in this one is like, it's the one that seems like it's almost wrong for us to say that the fine man, uh, is this is the wrong approach because think about it like this I, obviously when one comes to salvation in christ there is this cooperation between spirit and man in yeah. sanctification uh yes spirit is one that teaches and guides us and is doing the complete work of sanctification yeah. but man is the one that has to open up the word read it yeah be in fellowship with believers um yeah. and so like this idea of the fine man seems okay when you because like obviously when we look at um, the topic of a good person or full of their own self-righteousness. Like we can clearly say these things are wrong, but this person striving to be better, you know, the, the worldly approach to that would be asking the question of, well, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Um, but what we're looking at here though, is not the change in one's life after Christ, but the actual receiving of righteousness. Yeah. And so it's not that doing these, that, that thing is wrong. It's that trusting in that to save you outside of Christ's righteousness is already redeeming you. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. And see the, see that after Christ, what the fine man's doing is what we call sanctification. Yeah. You know, just, just always, always striving for holiness, always striving to be better, but it will never get us to the point of salvation. It'll never justify us. Yeah. Justification is in Christ alone through faith yeah. in Christ alone. That's it. There's no other justification besides that. Um, and, and he and, wasn't justified because God saw that you would be righteous one day. Right. Uh, well, not all many. And so we wouldn't no. line up in that theology. No, that was, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Those people from our men are crazy, ain't they? Um, but you know, I, and you see, that's the thing, you know, we can have the best life on paper in the whole world, but there's nothing within us to redeem us. I mean, there's nothing inside of us uh, to save us, to, to make us holy before God, to, to even, to even draw a, a, a thread 
of the robe of righteousness that Christ lays upon us, nothing within us can draw that unto ourselves. You know, we, it's all filthy rags. That's right. Before Christ. And then after Christ, what's great about the righteousness is it's all his righteousness. So we're clothed in his righteousness now. So, you know, the second part in that verse 21, when Paul asked that question, um, so, so what fruit did you gain? Mm -hmm. What, what benefits did you have, uh, in that old life before Christ? Um, you know, some people would say, well, I, I got the benefit of life experience. No, you have no benefits. There's no benefits, none, no benefits. That's because we'll put this in comparison to a holy God. Exactly. And so, you know, it's kind of like, um, let's use the analogy of a couple that gets married young and yeah. they didn't date many other people. Like, I think much like yourself, you, you, you did, you married pretty young and you married somebody you dated in high school or she was in high school. One. Yeah. Yeah. I was, high high school? School. I was out of high school. She was in high school. Were y'all high school sweethearts? Would you claim that? I was her high school sweetheart. Yes. Okay. Right, my wife and I were high school sweethearts. I was good looking. Well, I weighed, we can I weighed, tell that that wasn't the chase. I weighed about 15 pounds less than now, I'll tell you that. Well, I weighed a lot less than, <laughs> a lot more than 15 pounds less. Um, but we'll use that analogy, though, right? Yeah. It's what, I'm, what I'm getting at here is that, like, the world would say that in a situation like that, that, you know, but you don't know what it's like to be with a different woman or even date a different person or be with right. a different sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what you missed out on, you know, yeah. what about all of these other things that you could have experienced or tried or had yeah. if it wouldn't have been for you settling at a younger age. Um, that's the same thing that the world's trying to pull us into as believers is, well, if you wouldn't have got saved so young or made it a, a very serious commitment so young, you know, you could have had this lifestyle or that lifestyle. You could have went to these parties. You could have, um, you know, had these experiences that, yeah, that's just folly, folly, you know, it's it really not is worth anything. It really is. Um, and I think too, like the church world wants to use, um, my personal testimony as the gospel, you know, because, and they use that, they take that one verse out of context that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Well, I've looked at that, you know, based on the whole of scripture. Now I, I don't base yeah. that on what's my personal testimony. Well, I came through this, 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 and this, if he do it for me, he'll do it for you. Okay. No, that's not my testimony that overcomes. The testimony that overcomes is what Paul talked about. Mm-hmm. I have decided among you to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. That's the yeah. testimony that overcomes. We testify of Christ and what he has done. He may have done wonderful things for us. We may have come out of uh, who knows what in our, in our previous life, but the benefit that we have is all Christ. It's all in him, not, not of anything that we've any life experiences or anything like that. That's, that, that, that's nothing. Paul said that he counted all things as loss for the, for, for Christ and, and that, that he even looked at those things as, as dung. I mean, they were just dung to yeah. him now. So well, you know, we look at that and, and say, my benefit came after Christ. Yeah. Well, and you know, 
to be fair, I think like using one's testimony as a bridge to the gospel is helpful. Yeah. So let's not throw that on. Let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Though I think what you're saying is like is used way out of context sometimes. Mm-hmm. But like First Peter chapter three verse yeah. um, fifteen, he you know he pretty much he says in the hearts honor Christ as Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And so what he's alluding to here is like, you know, you have been saved, you have been redeemed. And so like your way of sharing the gospel is like, it's clearly seen in your life. It's like your analogy, your example in your sermon is that when you became a follower of Christ, you even lifted your head up more. So it yeah. seems as if you were walking taller, right? Um, like there, there's a hope within you. And so what our job is now is to have a defense of why that is our hope. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily using our testimony. Um, but the issue with testimonies and this is getting sidetracked here is that most often, and I think this is what you're alluding to here. It's almost like you have a 15 minutes explanation of all of these wonderful things that I used to do. And then there's this two minute spill about how God saved me. And now yep. I'm a different man. Yeah. So you glorified the old man yep. rather than lifting up what is now the new man. You tried to show benefits. Yeah. This is, I did this, 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 and this. And oh yeah, Jesus saved me. Well, yeah. n- let, let's talk about uh, the gospel of, of, yeah. of what the great power of Christ's salvation has yeah. been in your life. You know, there's, there, I think there's more to be said about after than before. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. But we stick so much to the before where there well, was no, it is, it is this, you know, let's just be gracious and say, is this good intent to connect with somebody mm-hmm. that possibly is living in whatever that sin was? Yeah. Um, but in my mind, what you're actually doing is saying, it's okay. You have more time because if you're 14 and you're doing these things, I got saved when I was 21. Right. And so yeah. you got, you got seven more years, seven more years of, hoot, of having a, having a hoot of a time. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's the issue with it. Yeah. And, and, and it becomes too, you know, it, it also becomes that, uh, uh, live the gospel, use words if necessary kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> which John MacArthur said, whoever said that was stupid, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of his quote on that. Right. So, yeah. but you know, then Paul in this one verse, he, he says something interesting. Um, just this phrase of like, how he says, um, but what was the fruit you were getting at the time from the things which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. And in doing so, he gives us three different descriptors of a life before Christ, right? One of them is a fruitless life. There's, there's no gain. You know, we, we bear no fruit before Christ because we're not in the, we're not in the vine. We're not the branches to bear fruit. And then, but the prosperity preacher wants us to have gain. Christ wants us to have fruit and gain. And it's not the same thing. We store up treasures in heaven. And uh, a famous prosperity preacher says that, well, if I'm storing up the treasures in heaven, 
that makes God the banker and I have access to that bank account anytime I want. That's not gospel. That's not, that's not in the word of God anywhere for one thing. And, and it makes, and it diminishes the holiness of God. It's awful. It's an awful way to talk about our God as our banker. It's like calling the Holy spirit, the genie from Aladdin, right? Um, Well, it it takes him takes the sovereign God and places him in the position of man and then makes man sovereign. Yeah. Give me my money, God. No, we don't, we don't do like, we store up treasures in heaven. Why? Because the treasure we store up there, nothing can get to. That's right. If, if we, if we did it, we'd be the, we'd be the prodigal son, next prodigal son, right? We would go ahead and squander it and waste it away. The store of treasure in heaven. And then there's a shameful life because all sin does is lead to more sinfulness. Lies lead to more lies. Uh, lust wanted, leads to more lust. I wanted to expand on this a little bit. Um, for the listeners is we live this out even in the Christian life today. Mm-hmm. Um, and the issue with that, and I understand it, right? I'm, I've been there. I've done it. I, I still practice it so often now. Right. Is that after I've lived in my sin way too long than I should as a believer, Yeah. then I, I, I assume that I can't approach God because I'm not worthy. Yeah. But that says, as somebody, myself, and I'm not saying I'm the best at this, but I preach man's depravity heavily. Yeah. Like it's something that is center of my theology yeah. is understanding rightly who man is. Yeah. And if I understand who man is, then I should be able to go to God, even in my sinfulness and know that God's still going to receive me because he's not seeing my righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness yeah. And because of that, no sin I commit is a surprise to him. Yeah. And so like the issue with this is that too often we beat ourselves up Yep. Instead of resting in the finished work of Christ. Mm-hmm. And because of that, our simple sin, not that all sins, all sins are equal, right? But our simple falling or tripping into sin yeah. leads us to plunging headfirst into it because we assume we can't approach God. We can't come back. Error. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a fall or fail. It's, we're not yeah. utterly cast out when we fall yeah. or fail. Um, because the redemption of Christ is so much greater, I think, than we give it credit for. And, and, and I've, I've come out of a, do, a denomination that does not believe that we have assurance of our salvation, believes we can lose it. I've, I remember uh, being at several youth rallies where uh, if you had a wreck and you said a bad word right before you died, you didn't have time to get forgiveness for that one, you're going to hell where there was a balance where the, where the scale would tip back the other way. Well, Christ has paid the balance of our sin. If we are in him, he's redeemed us completely from the curse. He's taken the wrath of God that only he could take on the cross. And now we have gone from a life of being dead constantly. That's the next, next point was, a life of death. We've gone from death to from being dead in our trespasses to being alive in Christ. Yeah. And, 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 and it's a powerful place to be. It is. And 
we have to live in that truth too. Mm-hmm. Because once we live in that truth, we understand, yes, though we're sinful, we have died to that sin. Yeah. And so kind of counteracting what we just talked about, because I living a life of death, being dead to my sin, dead to myself, dead to the old man, that even if I fall back into that lifestyle, I can come to a heavenly father that will forgive me and his son, Christ Jesus, because my sin, even my sin after my conversion was buried with him. Yes. It was washed once, you know, spiritually speaking, when I was baptized, Mm -hmm. but also as a representation in the physical baptism, it was washed when I went under the water and I am new in Christ. Yeah, an have, outward expression of an inward change. Yeah. And because of that, that sin is dead and gone. Yeah. Though I may still walk in it. Yeah. Um, the, and I think it's overused, but the, honestly, that's why the analogy of a zombie is so fitting for this topic. Is I'm still, I'm living dead. Yeah. You were a dead man who died to live a life dead to sin. That's right. And, and, and it's hard to, it's hard to put our, put our minds around that, but it's all about assurance in Christ in the completeness of what he was able to accomplish on the cross. It's all about the power of a sovereign God to, 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 to call us unto himself, knowing who we are, who we're going to be. And, and to still draw us unto himself. And then like you talked about earlier, it's that, it's that work of the Holy spirit and sanctification in us. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so crazy, you know, and I think the reason why it's so hard to understand is because you've got to take the finite mind away from those things a little bit to understand the fact that sanctification is the work of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. It's his work. It's impossible without him. Yet you have the word to read. You have the word to study. You have prayer. You have the, the killing of sin. Those things are actions that you're going to do that it's impossible without the Holy spirit to do. So it's a, it's a work of the triune God in saving us completely and assuring us of that salvation. And then we begin to store up those treasures in heaven of, of a life of holiness of loving our neighbor, of sharing the gospel, the things that we are not at all able to do unless we are in Christ. Yeah. And, and, and we can be as good as we want to be outside of Christ, yeah. and we will never, ever mm-hmm. be saved. Well, it's like someone can read the Bible cover to cover every month of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless God is exposing the truth of his word on the hearts of man, mm-hmm. then it doesn't change anything in the man's heart. Yeah. It's an outward, it's a, it's an inward knowledge that is not resulted in an inward change. Yeah. And yeah. so it, that's where like, that's where we have to understand the right role of man though is to physically do something. Yeah, it's useless unless God Himself is working on behalf of man through the Spirit of God. Absolutely. And so, though man cooperates, 
it's not necessarily the man even in sanctification it's yeah. a complete work of god it is um, and then also talking about dealing with the old man versus the new man the only reason we would desire whatsoever to be in the word of god outside of some kind of guilt placed on us through some external yeah. source a force yeah um, outside of that is because god has redeemed our souls yeah. And so even even any kind of desire to move towards God is because God has already regenerated our souls yeah. and then sanct and then saved us and then in saving us and sanctifying us. Um you know, but we can't we have to find that balance though, right? Yeah. Because scripture speaks of the work of God on man's heart, uh, in sanctification, but also the responsibility of man to do so to work out their salvation in fear and trembling. Yeah. And fear and trembling. Yeah, exactly. And that is, and that's not choosing what's sin and what's not sin. That is taking yeah. our God very seriously and understanding that this is a powerful work that has been done in us. And, right. and we are not able to accomplish it ourselves. That's right. And therefore being submissive to him, you know, and consequently, uh, you know, something you said there kind of touched off something that, you know, I, I, I began doing as me and Casey have our um, morning uh, Bible time. We get up about five o'clock together and just go in. I fix a couple cups of coffee and we sit and read our Bible early in the morning. Cause we find that that's the time that we know we can sit together and do it. You know what I mean? Well, mm -hmm. I, I, in reading the Puritans, one of the things that struck out to me, I forgot which Puritan it was, but he said the one that he would pray Basically, he would pray, God, remove the veil from your word and reveal it to me. And then another Puritan said, ask God to reveal his word to you and then thank him for the blessing of revealing his word to you. So now my prayer in the morning is this, uh, Father, I ask that you would re remove the veil, reveal your word to me, bless me with that revelation knowledge so that I may retain all that you're showing me. And then of course, sanctify me by your truth. Your word is truth. And, and, and I found so much more depth in the word because of that. And it's like you said, you know, there, there must be an unveiling. I think of things a lot of times with our sanctification and, and, and word study in prayer in in, in worship and in, you know, and in, and in listening to sound word as well, not just what we read ourselves, but in listening to a, a pastor or a minister or a teacher that we would listen to maybe in, in addition to what we hear from our own pastors, there, there must be a an unveiling that is yeah. only available through Christ and, and right. his work. That's yeah. right. And that's where, that's the difference between theology and doxology, right? Yeah. Um, it's theology plus a heads up where doxology is a heart change. Um, and the issue is that one that's approaching God's word outside of the work of the spirit understands theology, but they'll never understand true worship. Yeah. Um, but the flip side of that coin is kind of what you've come out of is that when one doesn't take theology seriously, then there's never true doxology. Yeah. So there's never true worship. Yeah. Um, and that's why you have to have both. You can't separate the two. And I mean, and just to tie that into the discussion tonight is that's what we see going on here is that we can't live in our old sin because our old sin produced nothing at all. 
Yeah. So now we're called to live in righteousness, um, which is the greatest fruit that we can receive. Yeah. So, and it's, that's that. And you said it right. Receive, yeah. not create, not make on our own, receive the righteousness yeah. of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Work out so, in fear and trembling. Yeah. The works that God has prepared, prepared beforehand. beforehand. For yep. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, um, all in all, I'll, I'll, I'll bust you with the question. I bust Garrett with all the time. So overall, what's your, what's your, what are your thoughts? What's your overall takeaway from just the sermon on Sunday and, and what you, what you saw? Um, well, I'll say this, and this is not going to necessarily approach the question as you would normally ask Garrett to approach it. Uh, but as one preacher to another, I would say that and I told you this beforehand, so I'm not surprising you with this knowledge. Uh, just surprising you that I'm actually going to say it out loud on the ah, podcast fun. is that um, out of the sermons I've listened to you preach through Romans and um, I mainly started listening after you started the podcast but I did listen to about three that was just on YouTube uh, so I think it was like Romans 2 and 3 some of okay. those um, so earlier on in Romans the earlier ones yeah um, I will say that this was my uh, the most enjoyable sermon I've heard by you. Um, and it's mainly because I think it was applicable to the individuals in the pews. Um, but it also didn't lend to soft or fluffy theology. Yeah. It called to righteousness. It called to a serious evaluation of their salvation with an ultimate rest in Christ. Yeah. Um, and so I enjoyed this sermon the most. And I think it's I think it's right on. And I was going to tell you this earlier, but you kind of told me before I had the opportunity to tell you is that I think it's because this sermon above some of the other ones is connected differently with you as a preacher. So therefore, you are able to internalize it better to regurgitate it to your people. Yeah, um, it's funny how sermon illustration um, a sermon as much like a this is a terrible analogy. Oh boy, but sermons is much like a mother bird feeding yeah. her young. It's yeah. eating the food, returgating it. Retur Returgating. That's a new word. Yeah. Uh, it's regurgitating. Yes. Regurgitating the food and providing it to the children. Yeah. As a pastor, you're supposed to internalize it, present it to your flock. Yeah. And let them have it to nourish their body, to go into a world that does not know Christ. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about that is you, and you, I think you pointed this out on a previous thing you did with Garrett. I think it was the one before this is that the beautiful thing about this is that your sermon prep now probably looks more like eight to 12 hours. If I had to guess where you're preaching for 30 minutes, this sermon, it was 31 and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, where you're only giving them a, what, a 16th of the time that you spent. So I know you received much more information than this and you yeah. had to, the opportunity to just dwell on and receive Digest that it, throughout yeah. the week right? Uh, to give them what they needed. Yeah. Um, and that's the pastor's heart. He yeah. knows his flock. Uh, he knows what they need. And um, I really enjoyed the sermon because it was not only something you received beforehand, but it was pastoral to your flock specifically, which honestly, which makes a podcast like this more difficult sometimes is because you're preaching to your flock, not to a group of people that you've yeah. met before. Yeah. And so 
that's what makes the sermon part maybe not connect with other people like I think it is going to connect with your people. Yeah. And so I say all that to say to encourage you is that my takeaway from this is continue on, brother, preach to your flock. And um, I think walking through the text is beneficial for everyone like we're doing now. Yeah. With the sermon itself, man, I think it was right on for your people. And I'm yeah. thankful for that. Um, yeah. I'm, th- I'm thankful for who God has brought you. Um, yeah. I'm not trying to hate on the man you once were, but um, I do it all the time. <laughs> I know you do, but that's not my place to do it. Yeah. But knowing that you're feeding them a consistent um, diet of God's word. Yeah. Um, it's just encouraging for somebody in Lamar County because we have, we have several pastors that do that. Yeah. But unfortunately a majority don't. And yeah. so I'm encouraged by it. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just, you know, I can't, I can, I feel like I can now give a little bit more because I'm taking in a lot more than I ever have myself. Uh, and it's like, I text you, I, I think I text you Sunday afternoon, man, I was exhausted after the sermon. It was five to eight minutes shorter than my average sermon for the past, gosh, seven, eight months. But yet I feel like I was giving the depths of my soul out and I was ready yeah. to crash. I was so tired. Uh, I was pulling a, a Steve Lawson, you know, he says after he preaches, he's ready to just crash too. He's just so exhausted. But I mean, I feel like, you know, like you said, I connected with it. I was passionate about it. So I wanted to give it with all of my heart. So that's what you people need, man. Yep. Well, all right, dude. Well, I, I gotta say, you know, it's been a pleasure getting to, podcast with you you're an old podcast veteran you got your grizzled podcast uh voice there um and uh you know we just you know anytime you're welcome back you know on with us you know if you want to join you know me on a reviewing romans or if you want to join me and garrett and have a discussion where we can maybe trap you in a corner and see if you can work your way out you know we can come at you with our old word of faith and see if you can get us out of it you know what i mean well um, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but, um, I'll say that I, I have confidence that I could come, I could navigate that conversation to some good water. So maybe we should do that one day. Yeah. Um, we get, we get under the hot seat. We can call it devil's advocate, right? I can That's give you, right. I can give you all them verses out of context I used to use. Well, uh, you are a Mississippi state fan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hell state. So, I'm no an difference. alum. I'm a Mississippi State alum. I'm not just a fan. I'm an alum. I graduated with my master's from Mississippi State. But yeah. And you but, live in Mississippi. So, you know, Devers Advocate, probably a good place for you to be. <laughs> Since I'm closer to hell. That's right. <laughs> Geographically. Um, About eight miles closer. Yeah. That's right. That far apart. that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, all right, dude. Well, um, anything else you wanted to add? Uh, anything you want to plug or anything like that? Well, I'll just say, man, I, I'm thankful to be on here. Um, I'm thankful that, as I've always said this, I'm thankful God has brought you to a different place theologically. But I am even more thankful that God has brought you there so that you could speak into the life of other people around the area that we're in. Unfortunately, it is a theology that has people gripped. Yeah. Um, and un- it's full of falsehoods. Yeah, and it really is. I, I believe that it is prevalent where we are because of the social economical issues of our area. 
yeah. and his false promises that do not bring any kind of true fruit, yeah. um, any kind of truth uh, change in one's life. And I'm thankful that one that lived it and knows these out of context verses can now speak to them in our area. Uh, I personally didn't come from any kind of background like that. Um, not that my church background was great. I told you the advice I heard from the first pastor I served under. Yeah. Not that it was great, but it wasn't as twisted as some of the stuff that, um, in this regard at least, it was twisted in its own way. Uh, like that out of context one you read earlier about the, I forgot which verse you used about the testimony. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Uh, other than from other people that's come out of the background. Yeah. I never heard that used out of context in that way yeah in southern baptist life i'll say in southern baptist life generally what happens is there's a scripture that's read and then the pastor preaches on nothing on everything else but that scripture i think that's the issue in our life Uh, ours is we come up with the sermon and then we try and find a couple verses that may fit in there well that happens too that happens too i said jesus is prevalent in all fields unfortunately speaking of my cup says exegesis over eisegesis that's right. I made sure I turned it towards the screen, so it's coming. I knew it'd come in handy. Um, All right. Well, look, I enjoyed it, brother. All right, man. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed the uh, podcast. Um, join us for our next episode. Me and Garrett will be doing another Q and A with Jesse episode. I know you have been in the streets uh, screaming for it, um, so we're going to give it to you. Jesse's given us a great question, so you guys stay tuned for that. But until next time. Uh, I'm Pastor Jason, he's Pastor James, and uh, we hope that you have a blessed day. God bless you guys, and y'all have a great week. If you love what you hear, like, subscribe, and give us a rating. Also, share this episode with your friends. Keep up with all that Small Town Pilgrims is doing on social media. Like us on Facebook at Small Town Pilgrims. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Small Town Pilgrims. What a coincidence that they're the same. Yeah. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or suggestions, get your own podcast. <laughs> or email us at smalltownpilgrims at gmail.com. And now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. Amen. <laughs>